Welcome to the Vet Church Podcast. Vet Church interviews are authentic, sacred, and inspirational. Vet Church is open to anyone who appreciates the sacrifice made by the women and men who put on a uniform and served this great nation. Find out more at vetchurch.com or retiredarmychaplain.com. Hey, Vet Church. Sitting here with Troy Hamilton, son of a Air Force veteran, right? Yep, that's right. Air Force veteran and... When I met you, we were both knuckleheads in high school. Yeah, and and you were on your way to the Air Force Academy. That was kind of the desire at the time. Yes, and I went on this mission trip, and and then myself and and several others of our friends at Rocky Bayou went on the same mission trip type thing with Team Missions International. Yep, and I came back and I couldn't shut my mouth about it. And, and neither could the other guys. It wasn't just me. And it was mostly you, was it? <laughs> but anyway, yeah. you you changed tracks and you be. You spent your life as a missionary now. Yeah. And you've done so many cool things. In well, in the last six, seven years as a pastor as well. But uh, yeah, that's right. Which is, that's another cool sure, story too. Sure, so, sure. so, um, and we even went to the same, uh, we both went to Columbia International University. We did. In fact, we also crossed paths, uh, now it just hit me, uh, at boot camp down there in uh, Merritt Island, Florida, if you remember that. Because uh, you went back as a leader and so did I. And I remember crossing paths with you there at boot camp as you were i think heading down to south america oh yeah you remember that, that? yeah and that was that wasn't my it was one of the rougher trips like, you had a hard was, summer you had yeah that was i got I, well let's we not won't go get into all that, that. But yeah but but anyway so point is god but god did use you and your enthusiasm about your experience um to pick an interest in my heart uh that ended up leading me to actually do this summer overseas that he then used to totally change the course of my life which blows my mind. And and now you're a pastor right up the road. Yeah. At Rocky Bayou Baptist Church. That's right. Here in Niceville, yeah. Florida. Yeah. And um it, man, I I don't know, it just struck me one day that like I should start praying for you. And then another thought was that like, hey, why aren't we you know, we when we got to doing this again, I realized that like one of the great resources that people have is is men of God who are not all about money and about mm-hmm. themselves, who are about caring for other people and the hope of heaven. And, I, and it just struck me while I was praying one day that, like, I should go see you. Yeah. And then and then I realized, man, you're a veteran son. You were almost a veteran yourself. Yeah. And um, tell me a little bit about that. Tell me about growing up with your dad in the Army, I mean, the Air Force. Sure. All that stuff. Just tell me, tell us your story. Yeah, all right. Well, um, I was originally born in Texas, so I got to kind of mention that, you know, just for any Texans who may be listening. You know, we all keep each other accountable to properly uh, honor the great state of Texas. Um, and I've, I, whenever I thought of home, it's been, um, okay, disclaimer, forgive me, Texans. It, it's been in my, in my mind's eye, Niceville, Florida, because we moved here when I was 14. But I've always hung on to that Texan citizenship card. It's meant a lot to me, and uh, and it's gotten me pretty far with like warlords in Afghanistan. Um, they love the story of the Alamo. Uh, they, you know, the way I tell it, you know, they kind of think I was there. And uh, <laughs> so, so uh, anyway, moved here when I was fourteen. But yeah, I grew up. Um, my, my actually, my grandfather was a uh, was a, a fighter pilot in World War II, um, and uh, so you know, grew up hearing his stories. My dad had been a um, instructor pilot around the time of Vietnam, and then he later became a, a, a doc in the Air Force. Um, so, yeah, growing up here in, in, in uh, Niceville, um, watching the F-15s coming in at Eglin, 
I just thought, man, that's what I want to do. And, uh, you know, saw Top Gun like everybody else back in the 80s, you know. And uh, and yet, uh, as you mentioned, through that experience um, uh, with Teen Missions, God really gave me a heart for, first of all, himself that I didn't have before. You know, I was 17, went over there, started spending daily time with God in devotions, and devotions and, and just really came to understand what it means to know him. Psalm 37, 4 became a powerful verse in my life. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I realized that I had been making life about me, about what I thought success looked like, what I thought, uh, you know, um, uh, joy looked like, you know, the need for speed, um, and all that. So, so, uh, anyway, um, what I, what I realized was the power of the gospel through that experience. Uh, we were actually in a not a real sexy place. Um, we were in England. I was in England for the summer. You know, later I got a chance to live in Africa and the Philippines and Afghanistan and you know all kinds of crazy cultural th- experiences. But uh, England is a very post-Christian place, and uh, and yet for the first time in my life, I started talking about the gospel with people, and you know the Holy Spirit started opening some hearts and, and giving them hope and uh, giving me hope for what it means to have a walk with God and, and eternal life. And, and so I, I just, I found the greatest buzz I might, you might say, or joy or, or, you know, just that inner power, uh, um, through the gospel and, and recognizing, Hey, you know what? I think God's calling me to do this with my life to, to, uh, to, to tell people about Christ. And, and the truth is my experience, my, my perception of missions from growing up wasn't real positive. And so I sensed God wanted me to go serve him on the field before I wanted to do it. So I was still holding out, um, uh, that whole summer, uh, uh, knowing that God was, there was a burning sense of calling even as I would read the Bible every day, as I would talk to people that, Hey, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take the gospel to people who hadn't heard. And, and yet, uh, honestly, I, I, I thought missionaries were kind of these um, second-rate kind of people who didn't know how to deal, you know, uh, connect with their own culture, had no idea what they really did with their <laughs> lives, you know. I figured they just lived in like a mud hut or something, and, and that didn't seem to be like, fit, you know, fitting that need for speed that I had. And, uh, and, and so, um, for me, it just kind of finally came down, all right, am I going to, you know, choose, choose this day who you're going to serve? Am I going to serve God or myself? And finally, it was a step of faith. I was like, all right, God, I want to serve you, and whatever may happen. So how old it. were you when that happened? I was, I was 17. Uh, it was between my junior and senior year of high school. So, yeah. So I came back. Uh, this is a real military community, which I love um, still. And it's a privilege to to pastor in a military community. we got all kinds of cool guys in our church who, you know, everything from combat controllers to PJs to pilots to, you know, all kinds of people. And I, I get to live vicariously through them a little bit, you know. Uh, although I've, I've, I've had, honestly, my share of adventure as well. I found out that missions wasn't boring. Uh, at all, especially when you go to the kind of the unreached, uh, dodgy places, um, you know, you sometimes get more adventures than you want. You know, a good day is often a normal day, not when somebody's blowing stuff up next door to you or <laughs> trying to shoot you or, or whatever, you know, or you're sick with malaria. So, um, so any, anywho, I, I came back and, and, uh, you know, a lot of folks, I was kind of, kind of off my rocker, uh, lost my head a little bit. Um, even in my own church kind of thought, okay, maybe this is an emotional experience. So get over it. So don't cancel things yet with your whole application process with Academy. But I knew I had to burn that bridge or I was going to, I was going to end up doing what I wanted to do. 
And uh, you know that verse I mentioned, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Um, uh, that it, It's cool. At the end of the day, the way God does that, I think, is he gives us himself. And he made us to know him. That's that's why we're here. And 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 so and to make him known. And but but man, I tell you what, uh, a lot of times people don't realize all those things they're seeking after. And I didn't realize all those things I was seeking after. God was the fulfillment. Like he was the one who would give hope and 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 and, and fulfillment and purpose. And uh, and so that's what he does. He gives us himself, but he also he designed us. And so he designed me with that desire for challenge and and for adventure. And he ended up really <laughs> give me even more of that than I wanted at times, uh, later, you know? Uh, so anyway, came back, uh, senior year of high school, I had no clue what I, you know, okay, well, what's next? Um, but, uh, um, ended up, you know, turning my path to, you know, went off to uh, a college up in Ohio, study the Bible, study business. And then I uh, got a chance as a single guy to head off into the jungle with, uh, the, in the Philippines with Bob Tebow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Tim Tebow's dad, so he kind of took me under his wing and and uh, said, "All right, you know." He he kind of had the coach uh, motif, you know, model of leadership. So so <laughs> not so you know, great guy, but but you know, definitely kind of like uh, you know, I like to call call you a sorry carcass, you know, and you'd be like, like, well, you know, that seems a little severe, you know. He's a pretty good guy. Now he's a sorry carcass. Everybody's totally depraved, you know. <laughs> I remember the first time I met him. Well, I'd met him as a kid because my parents were good friends with the Tebows in college. But um, I, I, in college, I, I drove over to his place in Jacksonville, and he was standing there with his boys and a couple other guys. And I show up in my nice white shirt, and he says, uh, Hey, Troy, you man enough to kill a chicken? And they were killing chickens. And uh, I'm like, Yeah, of course. You know, So he hands me this little hatchet and the biggest hen he could find. And uh, let's just say the first chop didn't quite do the deed fully. So I had... Uh, blood splattering all over my shirt the thing's running and they're all laughing at me as i'm chasing the thing and at this point i'm just trying to put it out it's misery you know and they're all laughing at me and so anyway that was my that was just a a, a little taste of things to come but yeah i had the the privilege of spending a year um uh first couple months um well uh about a year working with him being uh mentored in missions spent a couple months living at their house in jacksonville and most of that year uh, in the in the villages of the, the tribes of Mindanao, Philippines. There's a lot there, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know that, like, at one point, you, you know, here you are in college, and you've been to the Philippines, and you've seen, like, the fun. You know, because missions can be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. But you also see the hardships of it. Sure. And what made you keep going? Like, what made you, like, take this choice and go, hang on a second, this gospel, this delight in the Lord, it doesn't mean that he's, the desire, you know, when it says, delight thyself also in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. What changed you from thinking, like, oh, man, that's going to get me the uh, nice Mercedes and um, maybe a helicopter out back and, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what changed that point? Because, like, at that, you know, there's a, there's a whole lot of people I mean, a whole lot of people that are pushing that. They're saying, if you really love Christ, if Christ is really part of your life, then you're going to have all kinds of money. You're going to have all kinds of blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, I'm still learning this. 
because uh, I'm a knucklehead and, and, you know, it's so easy to get distracted. But joy does not come from stuff. Uh, you know, it, it, your, your stuff can end up enslaving you. You can spend a lot of time just trying to keep it up because from the moment you get it, it starts depreciating, right? Decaying, Absolutely. falling apart. And it's never enough, never enough to fill that that void in our hearts that only God can fill, right? So, um, but I would say by his grace, in, in college, I was pretty focused on, uh, hey man, I got to get to the field. But I do remember my senior year, you know, I had been studying the Bible up at Cedarville University in Ohio. I'd been studying business up there to somebody, a wise man counseled me, hey, get get a discernible skill, not as a fallback uh, in case it didn't work out on the field, but so that you can actually uh, use this stuff on the field because the, the world's getting more creative and, and difficult uh, in terms of access to places. Absolutely. Right? So, uh, and I'm, I'm really thankful I did that. Later, was able to, at where we crossed paths again at... Um, in Columbia, you were working on a MDiv, I think, and mm-hmm. I did a, a master's there. And inter- it was really going to be about missions, but I ended up doing intercultural studies, right? Which really opened some doors for me to even teach um, cultural anthropology at a university in Afghanistan later. But anyway, that's that's a side. We can get to that later, maybe. But back, back to your question, um, I remember my senior year of college, kind of looking ahead and thinking man, what am I going to do? Like, and it wasn't at that point me thinking, how am I going to get the Mercedes or the, you know, the Jaguar or whatever, you know, it was, it was how, um, how am I, you know, when when I graduate, um, and I, I feel called to missions, what am I, what's the next step? Um, and I remember calling, uh, having a conversation with my, I think my mom once and saying, you know, I could be homeless in a few months. Because I just remember thinking you could when I graduated, thinking, uh, "Hey, uh, you know, here I plan. You know, there's not a lot of money in this, and uh, you know, uh, and I went over to the Philippines, you know, with Tebow with a shoestring budget. I mean, shoestring budget. And I, you know, I I was starting to worry a little bit about that. And I remember her saying, "Hey, you got too many friends to be homeless, so don't worry about that." (laughs) But okay, I could crash on a bunch of people's couches for a while. But, but actually, for a year in the Philippines, I mean, I spent a couple years living with the Tebos, but that year in the Philippines, I think my um, support was maybe at like a thousand bucks, maybe about 800 bucks a month. Uh, so I, you know, I had, I got, I, I raised enough money from friends and maybe one church to buy a ticket over there. And, um, but I, I mean, I was living out of a backpack in villages in, you know, with, with, with folks in Mindanao who live, you know, up in the, in the mountains where, you know, I was in these old, bamboo huts and i remember starting to long for i mean at first you know after a while i mean at first like you said it's cool you know you get the adventures you're you're we're having to swim across rivers or ride water buffalo across rivers you know trying to get to these villages to bring the gospel to them and you know you're you're living on a backpack but after about a month or so that starts getting old and um for me one of the challenges was privacy so you got all these kids in this village chasing you and know, walking with you all every moment of the day just watching you so you got to go to the bathroom. You kind of almost have to outrun them into the, you know, you know, go pee behind a, a banana bush, you know, banana tree before they catch up with you. You know, I would get up early in the morning, go down to the river to, t- to to bathe, you know, before they're all up if I could. And um, and and so I remember longing at one point, thinking if I just had a a closet, it'd be enough. And then a drawer. If I just had a, my own drawer, because I just had my backpack and I'd be sleeping in the same room with sometimes twenty villagers, you know. And you'd wake up with your feet in somebody's hair. <laughs> so, so anyway, it, it, I, I remember even then kind of, you know, you, you want to have a little, 
privacy or a little, you know, your own stuff. But, uh, man, that, that was a big time. Um, man, I saw God uh, change hearts. I saw God rescue me. Um, Talk about that a minute. Uh, rescue me. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you a story of, re- of, of both. Um, so we were in uh, this, this uh, area, um, this, this village called Tikon, where there was a there were maybe a handful of Filipino Christians, maybe about ten Christians, and it was in a an area called an area that had a lot of MPA activity. So back then, in the this was in uh, mid '90s, NPA um, had been a uh, kind of a communist guerrilla organization. The left, kind of on the west side of Mindanao, Abu Sayyaf, we're familiar with that. Maybe uh, MNL, uh, MNLF. They were a um, you know Islamic. Uh, independence organization that later developed ties with al-qaeda right but the the um the mpa those these were the ex-communists so for several decades they had been kind of running an insurgency across uh, uh, across mindanao um you know really uh, against anti-government um but when the soviet union fell they really lost their funding so they turned into kind of a, just guerrillas looking for funding so normally that was through abductions. So they would abduct, um, you know, Filipino businessmen coming down to Davao. Uh, hey, an American missionary might be a great target. The good news for me is these guys are mostly Catholic as opposed to Abu Sayyaf who might behead you. So the Catholics, they were guerrillas, but they also realized you were a man of God. So they had kind of, um, you know, maybe a little hesitation to abusing you too much. But anyway... Um, but you never know, because they did kill people if they didn't pay up, so or their families didn't pay up. And so we were in, a, in this village called Tikan. There had been a little bit of work going on. Like I mentioned, there was maybe eight to ten Christians in this fledging little house church we're trying to start. And we'd gone up there and, and uh, had to kind of backpack in, so it was pretty deep in the jungle. We're, 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 um, we'd actually carried on bamboo poles the Jesus film equipment. So the Jesus film's been translated in all these languages, and back then that meant a generator and a big sheet and a little PA, rigged up PA system and a projector, like a 9mm projector, you know, with all the yeah. tape. <laughs> so we're carrying this stuff on bamboo poles through the jungle and for like for several days. And uh, anyway, we get this village set up, get to know them, and uh, one morning I, I, I'm running down to the uh, river to take a bath, and uh, and this villager runs up to me, and he and actually I had my buddy Basilio with me, and uh, you know Bas Basilio is my, my, my translator's Filipino church planner guy who I really grew to love dearly. He was in his forties, he was he was a few seconds away from a heart attack. Um, he he loved pig fat too much, and so I literally my dad had sent me hypertension medicine for him to keep him alive. But we hiked for days through the jungle, through mountains together. And uh, he, he had a bunch of cool sayings. He'd say, you know, Troy, buddy, let me tell you something. Where he leads, we will follow. <laughs> what he feeds, we will swallow. And we ate all kinds of stuff, you know, that's, snake that's and cool. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, he was a cool dude. But anyway, Basilo and I are, are about down to this river. He used to make me mad because he'd, he'd, anyway, I won't get into all of it, but he, he would, uh, yeah, I'd, be, I'd be, you know, taking a bath in the, the river and I look upstream and he's, He's uh, got his britches down, uh, doing a number there in the river, right, right upstream from me. I'm like, Basilio, what are you doing, man? Come on! But anyway, he's like, ah, it's the greatest CR comfort station, you know, comfort room, I guess they called it. 
and 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 uh, you know, it just takes everything away. It's awesome. Anyway, um, we're on our way down to the river one morning, and and Basilio says, uh, "Well, this this villager comes running up, and he's all chattering away in in a in a, in a Cebuano dialect, and I'm I'm catching a word or two, but I'm like, and Basilio gets all animated, says, "Hey, there's fifteen gorillas down at the river. They've come here to abduct you. They've they've heard there was a an American." Uh, you know, missionary guy. So I, I told Basilio, you know, and I, bear in mind, I'm 22, 23, you know, knucklehead, but with faith. And I'm like, Basilio, man, we're going to go down to there to that river and we're going to tell them to, in the name of Jesus to lay down their guns and we're going to share the gospel with them. And Basilio looks at me and he says, Troy, buddy, that's a bad idea. <laughs> this way. And so anyway, there ended up being this... Um, Small contingent of, uh, I think there were maybe 12 to 15 of them who were uh, spe- Filipino special forces in the area, who'd actually been trained by Americans years before, who were there actually doing some operations against the MPA. And so, interesting, they had their own little, just out, a couple clicks outside town, they had this uh, little mountain. It's like a little mountain, and they'd cut down the trees. So this is like old school, so they could, you know, they could pick off an attack. Mm-hmm. And uh, 12, 15 of them on top of this little mountain, a little rudimentary camp so in the long 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 story short i ended up spending a, a lot of time days staying with them and they're like hey yeah we've gotten the same intel you know you're you're the target you gotta leave if you want to stay stay with us and uh so i would i did and turns out their their colonel their, their leader a little guy named colonel ponan came to faith and uh and uh and so basically he was like all right we're doing bible studies man and so yeah i ended up doing Bible studies and ended up uh, going out with these guys, you know, to visit all their friends or sharing the gospel. So I'm standing there carrying my Bible, walking in the jungle, and they've got their rusty M14s and homemade grenade launchers. And <laughs> we get these group photos together, you know. Um, they'd hand me their, you know, they're very trusting with their stuff. They'd hand me their handmade grenade launchers and, you know, for the photo, you know, for the Rambo pictures. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I, he'd have my Bible, I'd have his M14 and, you know, all that stuff. So anyway, um, but yeah, about half of those guys came to faith and then uh, um, wanted me to share the gospel with all their friends. And that, that whole church ended up blossoming and growing. It was an awesome thing. So never got abducted. Uh, the night we actually did show the Jesus film in the middle of town, they were all standing around me and they had a little perimeter set up, you know, with their guns expecting. Word was there was going to be an attempt that night. And uh, thankfully none. And he ended up losing his life about a year later, uh, Colonel Ponan. But I look forward to seeing him in heaven. Oh, yeah. Me too now. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a cool dude. But anyway, that was one experience, I guess, of, uh, you know, when you're young. I, I, at that point That's in my life. That's an experience of God ra- saving your skin. Yeah. What about your soul? Like your, yeah. you know, like somebody asked me the other day, and they said, hey, um, when did you get saved? And I'm like, I'm, I'm being saved every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I, before the beginning, it found nations of the earth yeah every now, day in and future. in the future that's right yeah. and and so talk about that because some you're you know like you hinted it there was more going on with yeah. you and god oh yeah yeah well um yeah i mean i appreciate what you just said um that's right i mean god is sovereign he's the author of salvation so before the foundations of the earth he chose me not because i was any better than anybody else uh, just because of his grace right so he, he knows all that's going to happen, and that's a mystery of his providence. It's good. We love it. We believe it. Um, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and yet, at a point in our time, we go from 
living in darkness to living in light, right? And so for me, that you know, it's 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 hard to say. Uh, when I was a kid, I made a profession of faith in Jesus, but I mentioned earlier it was really it was really that experience with Teen Missions that God used to, I would say, open my heart to realize, hey, I had to be all in here, and real joy and and hope comes from a relationship with God through faith in Christ. Um, and you mentioned being saved in the future. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's where my final hope lies. Uh, th- th- there is hardship in this life. And um, I mean, we're, we live in a broken world and we got broken bodies. You know, I mean, you and I are sitting here, you know, we're now, you know, I'm pushing 50. I think you've already crossed the Rubicon, right? 51. All right, man. So we both got, you know, backs that are hurting us. I mean, I just found out, I think, I can't recall if I told you this, but mm-hmm. I'd been training with my brothers to, to go row across the Atlantic Ocean in a year. And I got three brothers, and I mean, we've been, you know, I've been training for a year, and, and I just, you know, it, that ended up, I ended, that story ended up with me with a, in a back surgeon's office two weeks ago who basically said, no way, no how for you on this one. Uh, you know, I just got, I've got a couple uh, uh, severely uh, bulging herniated discs that, that this could, you know, it could get worse, mm-hmm. he's saying, and surgery isn't going to really make that happen. So, uh, so I'm out. Well, we sit here in broken bodies, right? And and we're talking to people who have all kinds of struggles, uh, physically, uh, maybe maybe emotionally, spiritually, uh, relationally. It, it's a broken world. It's a beautiful world God made, and and we see that we see His 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 hand of beauty. I mean, every time I go out paddleboarding, I see that. Um, you know, you go out for a walk in the woods, you see that. But man, we we also see that it's a broken world. Every fish is trying to eat the next one, right, in the sea, and 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 so, it, you know, and our our bodies are degenerating. But the the ultimate hope is that future salvation, that moment that we die. The Bible says in First Corinthians fifteen, we we win. Um, death, where's your victory? Oh, you know, uh, death, where's your sting? There, and, and the reason for that is that that. That when the Christian, the, the person whose faith is in Christ, dies, we, we went. Death is a terrible thing, but we pass from death to life. And the Bible talks in 1 Corinthians 15 very clearly about resurrected bodies that, that will recognize each other. But they're patterned after that of Jesus, after he rose from the dead. And, and so they're perfect. And they're really, they're, they're a, it's like that original body God gave us that he made Adam in uh, with far greater intelligence than we have today. Um, uh, that was like the prototype, but Jesus's body, when he came back, which had some, it, it was flesh and blood he could eat, right? But he, he could also, he was capable of interstellar travel. I mean, he could pass between, you know, through elements, through walls. And we're, there's mystery there, but that is, the Bible talks about heaven. And uh, it's not just floating on a cloud. It, that is, that's the ultimate hope. And I'm tired of living in a, I mean, I'm thankful for the world we live in, the opportunities we have, but I'm tired of my own sin. I'm tired of the sin in this world that that is so destructive, and that's the hope we have of back to his original plan, um, a a full-on redemption here of of creation and of us in which we're made, we're back to the full-on image he made us in with the ability to really worship him, to actually see him. We'll have... We'll have purpose. We'll have things to do. I think, um, honestly, the more I study the Bible, I think we're going to be here on earth. I think he's going to recreate this world such that 
the very end of Revelation, you see heaven coming down on earth. And, and God, once again, dwelling with his people. And I, what, what does that mean? Does that mean that Yosemite is still going to be there in all its glory? Or is it going to be cooler? I mean, it'll be better. There's going to be no more predation. You know, you'll be out there backpacking in Yosemite without bears uh, trying to kill you. They're going to be, you know, eating out of your hand, right? Um, but what all does that look like in terms of the recreation? What does that look like in terms of other worlds and dimensions and travel capabilities? I, I don't know. I think there's going to be stuff that blows our mind now, but God will be the center of it, and the worship of God will be the center of it, and it won't get boring as we think. You know, anything too much of a good thing is, a, you know, too much of a good thing. Yeah. That won't be the case. Um, you'd have to hold us back from wanting to worship Him because we'll see Him for who He is. So for me, that's that's that final hope of salvation. But but what, but in this life, we all you know we're all born in this sinful world with sinful natures. And, uh, and so I think the key verse, a key verse that I love that talks about, you know, how do you, how do you come to know him? Well, Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And so it's coming to understand that, that hey, God made me. He's my owner. Uh, he's got ownership rights. <laughs> I've rebelled against him. Uh, I, I am a sinner. And I, I shouldn't downplay that by looking at other people and saying I'm better than they are. No, the fact is I've rebelled against my maker. Um, and he is holy. But the good news of the gospel is God sent his son Christ while we were sinners and rebels really against him to give his life for us on the cross and to rise from the dead. And so that's that's it. That's our hope. We too will rise if we put our trust in him and our faith in him. And so I, I think of faith, you know, um, you know, the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Faith is like what we're doing right now. We're sitting, we're, we're, we're both of I are chilling in these chairs. You and I, we're resting our weight in these chairs. And that's what it's like. It's like saying, hey, you know what? Uh, it's not, it's not saying I'm going to, I'm going to get all my ducks in a row. It's saying I can't get my ducks in a row. I need you, Christ. You're my hope. And so it's, it's resting all our weight in him that he, he did it all for us. That's and, a, yeah. And just yielding. You know, it's like yielding your soul to him. So I know when I was 17, I did that. And, uh, and, and you know, but you said something. You said that, that daily we're being saved. Well, I don't think once you're in Christ, you can lose it. We can, we can certainly quench his spirit. I do that way too much through our ongoing sin, right? Yeah. And so we daily, we daily have to kind of repent and believe, right? I mean, so we're growing in that, you know, and... You know, people talk about, well, maybe it's like the stock market kind of, you know, this process of growing. I don't know, maybe. Or maybe it's just like scribble all over the place. One day we're up here, another day we're, you know, like, what are we doing, you know, over well, here? Because life, it seems chaotic at times. Yeah, I sure. Mean, there's these moments that are like, you know, so I, I've experienced a little post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little, a lot, whatever. Sure. There's chaos. Yeah, And I've right. heard hundreds and hundreds of stories from folks, and you sit and... You do what you do, and you travel where you travel, and you go where you go, and it it doesn't just wear off. Like you, you once you experience things, and sometimes some days are what we call better than others. Yep, yep. And I've always I've always been aware that like there's a lot of people saying, "Well, uh, my demons, mm-hmm. I don't have any demons. Those are Satan's demons. Yeah. He's out to get me. That's right. I'm in a constant battle. You here. got the Holy Spirit, but the but demons are out to get you. That's for sure. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, so yeah, in in yeah. the and in that chaotic mess, yeah, sometimes I fall. 
Mm-hmm. I do the wrong thing. Yep, I look right. at the wrong things. I have yep. the wrong thoughts. Yep. And and yet Christ is is faithful in this relationship. Yeah. It's a battle. There is no doubt in this life. It's a it's it's a battle. And uh, I I think the more I live this life, I think it's a, a battle of faith versus fear. And 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 so for me that was the the story of what God taught me in Afghanistan. You know, I mean, I know you you spent time in Afghanistan. We were there at the same time. I was there oh eight oh nine. Okay, yep. I was there actually with my, living with my family from two thousand and four to two thousand ten. And I, of course, I had done some trips before that in, and for a while I was involved in some leadership of some 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 of the work um, for years afterwards and traveling in back and forth. But yeah, for six years, lived in uh, the western part of the country with my family, and there you can't do direct missions work. So we were there doing. Uh, aid work, uh, aid development work, had a team of doctors and engineers, but, um, you know, all followers of Jesus, and it was in the name of Christ, trying to serve people. But yeah, you you know, you, you can't you can't spend a lot of time over there and not have traumatic things happen, you know, so I've lost friends, like, you know, you have, and a lot of people listening I know have. Um, I've been nearly blown up and shot at, and, uh, you know, some of these similar experiences. So I, you know, I, I, I realized years later that I was struggling with some some PTSD stuff, you know, I didn't like being boxed in in traffic, you know, or where I'd hear a door slam and, and suddenly I'm back in a situation where, you know, I was down on a river with a guy in an ANA uniform, um, but uh, who, who was, had his rifle pointed right at my chest and, you know, fired probably about uh, three or four bursts right at my feet, just an intimidation kind of thing, you know. Uh, but you know that kind of thing. Ooh. You think you're gonna die? I mean, oh, yeah. he'd square right back up in my chest. I thought, this is it. This you is know? the ANA. Yeah. Well, this the it was well, uh, we, we, the guy. The guy ended up in jail because I ended up, um, you know, hooking up with some um, couple some army rangers who were in the area, U.S. who were like, uh, you know, I reported the incident and they said, hey, we need to, you know, we need to, we need, we need to get this guy. Would you come with us and identify him? You know, and so we did, and uh, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> I won't go into that whole story, but yeah. So you know, you go through you go through um, situations, you know, and I know, you know, for some it's deeper. You know, they you know you're in the fog of war, and and uh, you know you're calling airstrikes, and then you see things afterwards that happen, or there's breaches that's gone bad, and you know you're, you're trying to just do your job, but then stuff later, you know, when you replay it in your mind, you see hard things, and then you try to assimilate back into society. So sometimes it's PTSD, sometimes it's moral struggle, you know, and and. Uh, so the truth is, even when we've screwed up, God loves us, and Christ died for that. So the answer is faith over fear. In Afghanistan, my biggest fear was uh, something happening in my family. And uh, we were there uh, based on calling. God had made it clear to me that, uh, that, that and through a whole number of circumstances, life circumstances, as well as the uh, underpinnings of his word that, that says that his church is to make Christ known to all people. And uh, and the Lord, in a providential series of events, opened up doors for, for me to go over there and, and serve. Uh, and, and I had, But I had a one-year-old daughter. My wife had grown up in Africa. Her parents were missionaries. So she, had a, she had seen God's care, but she'd also lost a brother over there. And uh, their family buried him over there in, in Chad. And through that, God had actually opened up the doors of, uh, her, her dad had been hitting a brick wall for years in his ministry, and after he buried his son there, uh, God opened up 
hearts of hundreds of local people uh, to, to Christ. And so she had gone through grief. She knew that, you know, we Christians aren't bulletproof, but that God cares for us. And um, so for me, it really came down to faith versus fear. Am I going to trust him with my family even? And uh, so we went over there with a one-year-old daughter, Grace, who's now 19, and a beautiful young lady. But um, I remember she was almost two. We'd been there not even a year. And uh, in our first few months, we, we had gotten stuck in the middle of, we'd had a, some anti-Western protests in our city that had turned into a massive riot, and we were stuck right in the middle of it. And actually, an Afghan family had risked their lives to protect us and take us into their home to hide out. And, and, uh, but it had been pretty hairy. So a few months after that, uh, we get some intel that there's going to be another major anti-American riot in our city that may go south. And uh, we were you know, working with an international NGO. And so at that time, we were still living um, at our... Actually, no, I'd moved into a, a, a big mud house in the middle of an African neighborhood by that point. But first year, we lived in our, in our office and uh, uh, right in the middle of the city. But anyway, it was... They were forecasting more anti-Western rioting that could that was going to turn violent. So we had gathered with some other uh, 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 American and a couple couple other Europeans and an African uh, NGO workers to pray for God's protection. Some other Christians, and uh, in the middle of that prayer, I heard a scream from upstairs, and the lady watching it was from the lady watching the kids. So I, I bolt for the stairwell, open the door, and there's my daughter laying there unconscious, and and the the, the lady says don't touch her she just felt she just fallen 15 feet and landed on the back of her head on a cement step and been knocked out and so we had we had a at that point the doc on our team was on the other side of the country i had a couple nurses in the room but we had no trauma care there where we were and uh and and you know what god miraculously protected her um she i, I just remember crying out to jesus and saying please save her and and she opens her eyes starts moving around we realized she didn't have any spinal cord injury picked her up and uh and there wasn't a bump on her head no signs of concussion and she fell 15 feet 15 feet landed on her head and that you know so every that night every hour we woke her up checking her pupils mm-hmm. making sure there's no signs of you know head trauma concussion and uh i just sensed the lord telling me my spirit hey i <laughs> this world's a dangerous place right um you think of, well, you know, we live in these bubbles of safety. No, we don't. Um, interstates in America are dangerous places. Right. Right? I mean. Very. And, 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 and so oftentimes I think it's, the, it's fear of the unknown that stops us from doing what he's calling us to do. Right? But what I heard him tell my heart is, you can trust me. I, I, got, your, I got your back. And what I had to understand that to mean, it did not mean, it wasn't a promise that nothing bad would ever happen to my family. What it was the promise was that God was going to cover us. And I could trust him with each soul eternally, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. So I think that's the answer. That's the answer. Uh, uh, it, it's having an eternal perspective. Uh, some people draw tough cards. And and there, this, the Bible doesn't say that, uh, and you alluded to it before, they're people, the health, wealth people, you know, I think, I fr- frankly, I think they're conning people with a false gospel, and they're making, they're getting rich from it, all right? The true gospel is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he said, he said, follow me, and Jesus walked straight through the door of suffering, not just the cross, but his life. I mean, he, he was an itinerant 
homeless, you know, teacher, right? And and but he it, who who healed people and and proclaimed the gospel and, and taught us about the kingdom of God. You know, you read Matthew five and six, powerful stuff. Uh, but he said, "Blessed are those who mourn." You know, uh, they're they're going to be comforted. God God's heart is for the downtrodden. So, so you you may be downtrodden. Uh, hey, you may be downtrodden because of bad choices you made, even. But if you draw near to Him, He'll 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 comfort you and and help you and rebuild you and and give you hope and make you a blessing to other people. And that's I think what God specializes in is is redeeming the underdog. And and taking us, you know, God loves underdogs, and 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 making us beautiful, and such that we can be a blessing to other people, and and we understand, you know, we can understand what other people are going through. So He's the one who gives us ultimate hope. But that's what my my. Ch- I mean, there, there's a lot of blessing I've experienced in this life, as long as well as some some hardship. Um, but my ultimate hope is 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 in eternity, man. Um, when when we die, we we we, we when we die in Christ. We, we, we win. Uh, but, man, I want to make every day count now. Uh, you know, every day is a blessing that we have. We live in this society where people are, are, are fighting so hard, Troy, to find something that says, I am valuable, I have worth. Um, I watch people right now pinning their entire identity on their genitalia <laughs> yeah. or or pinning their entire identity on their job. Yep. Or hey, the, there's some good alliteration going there, by the way. Keep going. Uh, <laughs> you know, pinning the ba- Baptist pastors, uh, uh, you know, <clears throat> recognize the art. But continue. Genitalia well, and jobs. Just continue. Com- comes out, right? right. So, um, <laughs> the, it, but they're doing this, and, and it's yeah. like, you have value without your work. You have value without like whatever I, okay, this is, um, you know, what I do with my body or this is how I am. You have value because the father looks to the son and says, I got to be back in a relationship with these folks. This sin crap got in the way. Go down there. Mm -hmm. Even to the point of death. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, he wasn't necessarily go, go ahead and die. He was like, if if you need to die, even to it. And so Christ, fully God, fully man, decides to die mm-hmm. for everybody. He gave himself for us. Right. That's like right. he's everything. Yeah. And it's so hard because like sometimes, like I mean, I'm even sitting here listening to you right now. Man, there's so much adventure, right? Like we're men of adventure, men of integrity, <laughs> <laughs> men of honor, all that stuff, right? Like. And and there's there's ladies of integrity and honor and, and sure. like oh, yeah. just as much ladies of adventure as we are. No kidding. I mean, and I just I mean, I want you to get back to your point, but I I gotta say on the mission field, the the the, the real heroes are the, there's some incredible single women out there that that are that are incredible. Talk are about amazing. that a minute. Well, I mean, I want to come back to your point though, but but yeah, I mean, I remember in Mozambique, I spent a couple years in Mozambique, and uh, and you know, I thought I was all tough out there, you know, spending a week in the villages and coming back into the city of Nampula. And then I'd bump into Inga, who is this, like, six-foot-one um, German missionary. She was out there on her motorcycle. You know, I'd bump into her. She'd be like, I was just out in the village for three months. I planted two churches. <laughs> I had malaria once, you know. 
anyway, tough as nails, amazing. But you know, um, later, um, uh, I mean, Inga and a couple of these other German single missionaries had actually lived for I think several years in this place that I could only. I mean, I had to hold my breath driving through it. Uh, south of Manila was this big city made out of garbage, and there were like fifty thousand people living in it, and they had. Living in trash. Yeah, and it was unbelievable. The smell would just burn your lungs. And they had gone out there and, like, like served these people and spent their several years with them. You know, later in Afghanistan, we had a nurse on our team named Lisa who was involved in this uh, tuberculosis project. She'd go out there in these villages, and you have women who had potentially what we call Category 2 TB, which is drug-resistant, very dangerous. Lisa would just... You know, our Afghan medical staff would not enter the room. She'd go in there with these women and and, and wouldn't wear a mask because she didn't want anything to come between them and and would pray for them, uh, touch them, love on them, you know, uh, just fearless. And, and incredibly, she still tests negative for TB. Um, she She's married now and got mother, and, but still serving in, in Central Asia. Uh, I mean... I'm just saying, some amazing people. Uh, the, the, the women, my experience at least, has been that the women are more are, are braver and and uh, uh, there's some amazing women out there. Is all I wanted to say. But well, back to your well. So my point was kind of like in this direction. Yeah. I, you know, we're dealing with, I, you know, a military whatever times wrote an article lately that said that the suicide rate in military veterans could be anywhere from 14 to 44, not the 22 a day, but 44. And then I started thinking about it. I looked up online. Suicide rates in America are 125 plus a day. Yeah. And, and all, you know, and I hear people say to me, I hear guys say to me, well, I want to find a relationship. I hear women say to me, I want to be in a relationship. Um, I hear people, a lot of people say, well, I'm a Christian, but yet they're not, like, they're not all the way, they're not doing anything. But they believe in Christ. They have this mm-hmm. some relationship. They pray. Uh, some don't even know how to pray very well. And, and we're, we're all different phases, just like you and I were at one point. We, mm-hmm. We're always moving. Yep. And I keep thinking to myself that, like, when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about, like, the adventure of Christianity the adventure of selling everything you have and going somewhere, the adventure of living in a minivan or a backpack or or going to a foreign field. And there's tons of opportunities. It's not over. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's hundreds of opportunities to just keep going. And, and people are saying, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm so worthless, I'm done. And that is not true. I, I'm listening to this story of yours, and I'm thinking to myself, like, Troy, you've, you've, you've been in many, many places. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, I have, uh, and it's been a privilege. Um, you know, I can sit here and give the highlight reel, but <laughs> the, there are plenty of times of discouragement as well. Talk about and that. Doubt, um, even spiritual attack. Um, you know, it, you know some of the stories I've, t- I've told already might s- sound sexy, but, uh, you know, it's not, you know, having Giardia <laughs> or typhoid fever and just, you know, you're, 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 I mean, I remember as a single guy, very sick in the Philippines with typhoid, um, and you're kind of losing your mind. I'd had 106-degree fevers for about four or five days. I didn't have a toilet to use, so I was having to try to get off this little mat I was laying on in a bamboo hut out into a field to, you know, to relieve myself. And, I mean, I 
I just was super sick. And I remember um, starting to hallucinate and, and you know, and, and even I think I had some, I, I, I mean, maybe some spiritual attack going on. I, I, I remember remembering one day, hey, today is my birthday. <laughs> this is the day I was born. Today's the day I'm going to die. That's what I thought. I thought I was dying. And I remember thinking that uh, nobody cared because I had no comms. My, my family didn't know what was going on. I mean, I was really kind of off the grid. Uh, you know, th- those are physical hurts, and it became emotional. But there's, you know, when we feel rejected by people, um, betrayed by people, um, when we let God down and ourselves down through sinful decisions, which I've I've certainly done, um, yeah, broken relationships. You can give up hope, and the problem in our society, which you mentioned a little while ago, is we we're we've instead of worshiping God and finding our value in ascribing Him worth, which is incredibly fulfilling because that's how what we we're designed to do. We've we've started worshiping ourselves, right? So you mentioned um, th- this this, this th- I think what's behind all of the uh, uh, you know stuff with transgenderism today, et cetera, is false worship of the designer self. I mean, if you if you pull up like an Apple ad, not to knock Apple, I got an iPhone. I think you got an iPhone. Oh, yeah. All right. I, I use all Apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So they make great stuff. But you look at their, their marketing, and what they're selling is the designer self, self-actualization, so that we worship ourselves, right? So now you got our you know, young people, and not just young people, people on social media, and so we're constantly comparing ourselves with other people. And we feel like we fell short, right? So somebody makes, you know, the per- has the perfect vacation or makes the perfect cupcake, you know, and they put it out there on social media and everyone's got, you know, creating these illusions that they live these amazing lives and you think, hey, I fall short. Uh, I don't measure up. And, and so there's this myth of the designer stuff. But you know what? That <laughs> You're never going to find fulfillment or true hope by worshiping yourself, by, by being different, by being your own God. Because we're designed to know the real God who made us, who loves us. And that's that's the answer. So that, there's the problem, but that's that's the answer is just turning upward. Stop looking in the mirror, you know. Stop looking down at your navel, um, and navel gazing, and you know. But look look up and and see God in His love for you, uh, that He loved you enough to send Christ to die for you despite your sin and your shortcomings and your failures and your mistakes and your weaknesses, and know that God can can turn you into something beautiful because of his grace. And so the, I'm going to get into a little theology here for a minute, but there, there's something called, there's a doctrine called double imputation. That sounds like almost like scientific or something, like what are we talking about? What that means is that Jesus Christ on the cross, he died for our sins, right? So when, when the reason he died on the cross is because God is holy. He, he's, it's because he's loving, but he's holy. Like, why did his son have? Why did he choose death? Why did he choose that mission? Well, it's because God is pure and holy. And so, you take a cup of pure, holy, clean, like say, clean water, and you just put a couple drops of poison in it, and it's ruined. So, holiness, by definition, cannot stand uncleanness. So, when we choose sin because of his holiness, God can't just look the other way. Justice has to be done. But because he is love, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And his blood was so powerful, whether it was the sin of betrayal, um, whether it's the sin of lust, whether it's the sin of, of, of murder 
uh, what whatever we have done, um, that that you know those things that we want to try to wash our hands, but we can never totally feel like we've got it all off, you know, clean. Christ made us clean because He paid the price for our sins, right? So our sins were literally put on Him on the cross, and so that's why God is able to bring us into His family. But I mentioned double imputation, and this is what's beautiful, and and I think. This is where theology becomes real and practical to us. God also put Jesus' righteousness and beauty on us. And so through faith, when we trust in Christ, God looks on us and he chooses, I might call it selective amnesia. Instead of seeing my sin, he sees the beauty of Christ. The, the Bible talks about being clothed in his righteousness, right? And so God truly declares us, not just says it, but he actually makes us like beautiful and holy and clean. And so if we understand that, it means we have access to him. We can delight in him and worship him and ask him for help and talk to him as, as a father and find our great value in him and, and hope in him. And so it's not about doing more good than evil uh, or, or somehow earning his favor. Right. Or being more uh, a more exciting person than somebody else and, and pay pick me for your team. I mentioned before, God delights in the underdog, but we got to realize that's who we are, and we, and so there's great hope there, Matt. Um, so if somebody's listening today, if you're out there and you you're like, man, if if you knew the stuff that I did, I, I've got a regret that I can't get over, um, a failure. Maybe maybe it was a second. You know what? Sometimes it's just good to you know to, to talk to somebody and to to recognize. Look, we all fall short. Other people have. There's no temptation except what is common to man. So, so maybe that act that you are so, uh, that you are so um, remorseful for, um, you know, whether it was betrayal, cowardice, you know, th- those things that, man, you just, you know, uh, maybe it was, was an act of anger that, that you, you, if you could build a time machine, you'd give everything you have to go back in, in time and undo. But here's the point. Christ has done it. He's paid the price for it. And so you don't have to carry that burden. You can give it to him. And he, 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 he will make you clean and, and actually delight in you and, and actually equip you to go and make a difference in others' others' lives. So, yeah, it might be valuable to talk to somebody and to recognize, um, you know what? <laughs> Other people have screwed up in the same way. We are human. We all fall short. But ultimately, I, I say, let's just own our sin and just kneel before the cross and let him take it from us. Uh, That's the yeah. answer. That's the answer. You know, there's things that I, there, there are acts of, I, I talk about, you know, I've t- told stories and I was a young knucklehead and ready to go die for this. There's been times that I've been cowardly as well. There's t- there, there are times that I have been fearful. And, and th- I, I wish I could go back and redo, have a redo, a replay. Uh, and, and, and uh, um, man, I've just given that to Christ. And so I'm going to move forward. I'm going to say, next time, give me the strength to, to do what's right. So, um, Rocky Bayou Baptist Church. Yeah. Nice Hill, Florida. And um, anybody wants to talk to you, you're there. Yeah, I'm there. I mean, my door's open. I got an open door policy. Show up. <laughs> I know I've showed up a couple times. You have. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to call ahead, too. <laughs> I, I, I may be out meeting with somebody. I, you know, um, I, I don't want to, you know, uh, w- one of the concerns I had when I came on about seven years ago, and it was God's grace. You know, when I left Niceville in 
graduated from high school, I think in 91. Never thought I'd really be back living here. I have family here. I figured I'd be just visiting. And God brought us back here to Niceville about eight years ago uh, to help care for some family needs that we had. And um, I was still doing the missions thing for a couple of years, doing a lot of travel and had kind of in a training, equipping, sourcing uh, job. But um, joined Rocky Bay Baptist Church. And uh, my brother brought me into the church. And about two years later, I found myself, I became the pastor of that church. So uh, I should say a pastor. I got other pastors that I serve with. I'm super humbled and privileged to be with. But um, one of my concerns when I came on was, hey, am I going to have, you know, be like an ADD pastor, you know, looking at the map on the wall, wishing I was back overseas. But God is, by God's grace, that hadn't happened. He's given me real contentment and joy. It's a wonderful church. I mentioned earlier, I love, I love veterans. And I love the fact that, that I mean, I think 60% of our church is either, you know, serving now or they've served in the past, um, or they're somehow working, you know, with the, with the government. Uh, and and I love what I love about it all is is people who have who understand there's something greater out there. You know, it's not just about living a, a me centered life, but there's a value of service. That of you know the, the the whole the whole value of laying down your life for somebody else. That's a Christian value. It comes from from Christ. But man, we get we get hurt too when we when we do these things. And uh, I know there's a lot there's hurting souls. And sometimes uh, you know we get guys who will come back from a deployment. And I'll say, hey, let's go out paddleboard together, you know. And uh, you just talk, and I'll listen, and I'll, I'll pray for you. Um, so my door's open, and uh, yeah, I love having people come and talk about what's really going on inside. We we don't want to be a place where we um, pretend to be more righteous than we are, or holy, or have it all together. Because Jesus said, I, I came for the sick, right? That's that's not the righteous. That's exactly. who he came for. And the truth is, all of us are sick. We're all, we're all, we're all, we're all got needs. Uh, none of us are righteous in our own eyes, but we become righteous through faith in Him because He makes us that, that way. He gives us a new heart. He gives us a desire to, to serve, um, uh, an ability to hey repent and and to keep believing. I, I'm just I'm. I love your story. I know there's more. I know we're we're pushing the time limit. And um, I just really, you know, our lives have been intertwined since high school. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird in some ways. And in some ways it's like, you know, you and I have this opportunity now to say to a whole bunch of people who are sitting out there thinking, man, what's it matter? What do I matter? Um, self cares out the window. I look in the mirror and I'm, and I and I can't keep up with the Joneses or whoever you know <laughs> with their next glittering glitch, and and now I feel worthless. Or or I'm stuck. And I, I'm always trying to keep up. I'm always trying to show the better side of me. And in reality, what you and I can say to every one of them people is that the adventure that can await you, and sharing the gospel and giving your heart to Jesus. And, and like, I mean, there's a huge opportunity. You don't have to believe just like you and I do about the Bible. There's a, a relationship's never going to be exactly the same between any two people. And if you're out there and you're just wondering, like, you want to hear about adventure? Troy told two, maybe three stories about adventure. 
You've told me other stories, so yeah, I know yeah, there's sure. even more. Yeah, yeah. You're sleeping in a sleeping bag. I mean, like just crazy stuff, freezing cold at night. Um, and some of our listeners, they train for that. They're hardcore people, and they're looking for something. And Jesus Christ offers something that's real, that's unique. It's not, it's not this God of um, the past. It's the God of the present. That's right. That's right. Who was there in the past and is still here right now. That's right. And uh, and the future. And he's got an exactly. awesome future for those who trust him. Yeah, I'll, man, I, I just say, Matt, um, you know, if, if you're out there and you're, you're, uh, you're not sure of your value, you're, you're even wondering, um, hey, what's the purpose of, what's the point here in living? Um, let me just say that, that, that God cares about you. Uh, he, he can... He can make you new. He can give you a new heart and uh, fill your heart with incredible purpose. And um, and and so he cares about you, and uh, and and so do we. So come and talk to us, you know, or find a, you know, if you're in a city somewhere else, um, you know, find find a find somebody who has got an open heart who loves loves Christ. Um, go talk to a pastor, and uh, there, there's a lot of great pastors out there, there who, who just I mean. Uh, you know, there's some wolves in sheep's clothing, but there's a bunch of great. There's a there's a there's a lot of great pastors out there who 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 uh, who, who will love you and listen to you and who cares. So yeah, go talk to somebody. I sure appreciate you doing this with us today. Hey, it's good good talks with you, Matt. All right. Hey, thank you all for joining in. And um, hey, if you're down here in Niceville, stop in and see Troy. Yeah, Rocky Bay Baptist Church doors open. Thank you for joining us for this Vet Church interview. Your feedback is welcome. Find out more at vetchurch.com or retiredarmychaplain.com.